Good evening. Hello. <laughs> Fucking hell. This is amazing. Uh, thank you all for coming back. Who was here for the one we did last year with John? Yeah. Oh, okay. John so McPhail, by the way, everybody. <laughs> it's not about you tonight. It's not about <laughs> you tonight. Uh, just want to say thanks to everybody for coming out and uh, all amassing in a room where one of us maybe might have the coronavirus. But it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's fine. It's great to see everybody. By the way, just a wee story. When we were, uh, we came in here the other day to have a look at some of the techie stuff. And um, the guy that kind of owns the place was like, so uh, what is it you're doing here? And we are like, oh, we're doing like, a live podcast with an audience. And he was like, right, oh, he's going to come and we'll talk about a film. And he's like, ah, so you're a bunch of creepy dweebs. <laughs> Uh, yes, my creepy dweebs. <laughs> yes. It was like, oh, if you'd just said creepy dweebs, I'd know what you meant. <laughs> so, how is everybody doing? Are you excited for Fright Fest 2020? <laughs> As well, you should be. The lineup is fucking amazing. We've got Synchronic tonight. Has anyone seen Synchronic already? Yeah. It's amazing. It's great, right? Yeah. yeah. And then, I suppose we've got Death of a Vlogger. Death of a Vlogger. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, yeah. Mr. Graham Hughes. Get up here. Here he comes. You've got a lot of explaining to do, young yeah. man. Yeah. Is this for me? That's you. Yeah. Graham, I see that you've got a notepad. That is good. You'll need it. Yeah. Uh, Graham, thank you for doing this. You're welcome. Thank for you anyone for who's unfamiliar, Death of a Vlogger, director Graham Hughes, everybody. We'll talk about that in a bit, but we have some other stuff to get through first. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you've gone for, of all the films in the world, Roland Emmerich's Godzilla. I, I do want to point out, I sent you a list, and this was your choice. <laughs> By the way, that speaks to the quality of the list. <laughs> Graham, why was this on the list? I, just, I love this film. Uh, I saw it when I was about... Uh, it must have been about 10, saw it in the cinema. Just the perfect follow-up to, I guess, Jurassic Park and Lost World, which at the time were just like the perfect kids' films. And uh, Godzilla, maybe on a par with Lost World. Okay. <laughs> You've lost your fucking Sa mind. Save your ooze. There's going to be so many. You don't want to burn yourselves out. I don't know. It's, it is Spielbergian. Right. <laughs> in, in some ways, I'm going to be completely like, I'm going to be on the floor by the end of this, I think. Just um, my, my self esteem is going to be an all time low defending this fucker, but I, I like it. So. Can I ask a serious question? How long has it been since you've watched it? Uh, like a week. Okay. Yeah. So, wow. uh, well, I had to like, refresh my memory. I'm not coming, like, everyone's fucking gunning for this film. So I needed to be prepared. Yeah, you got to be on it. You got to be on it. <laughs> Can I also just check who watched it? Woo! Uh, and by that oh, we mean. There's a who! Like Can I also check who watched it all? Nice. Okay, significantly less hands because it's fucking... It's fucking two hours and 15 minutes long. There's so much film in here. The, the only thing I won't defend is the runtime. <laughs> I, I agree with everyone. Even re-watching it the weekend, I was like... <sighs> it's pretty hefty. Yeah. yeah, it took up the entire day pretty much. <laughs> One thing I thought was that when I was watching it, and I've watched that a couple of times in the run-up to this. <laughs> a couple of times? Like, I'm nothing else. I'm not detail-orientated, okay? But, like, um, what I did think was I never stopped being astonished by how much of it there was left. <laughs> it gets a bit like Return of the King at the end. You know, <laughs> yeah. Multiple endings. 
It's like, oh, okay, that's, oh, no, that's okay, and more. However, we can get to the ending in a sec. Andy, do you by any chance have 30 seconds on the timer? And if you don't, <laughs> could you produce one now? Got it, got it. Graham, by show of hands, most of the people in here have seen Roland Emmerich's Godzilla, for better or worse. For the benefit of anyone who hasn't, would you be willing to do a 30-second pitch on it? Uh, have yeah, you, but I've have you written it? I've forgotten the protagonist. No, I've not written it. I know it's against the rules. Uh, but I've forgotten <laughs> the protagonist's name. Nick. 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 Thank you. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is tense, all right? Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. right. Are you good to go for Kenyon? Uh, yep. Andy, be good for time? Yeah. Okay, three, two, one, go. Uh, radioactive uh, worm specialist Nick Zetopoulos uh, is called into action for one last job where he must... Uh, investigate a giant lizard that's attacking um, New York. There's multiple other plot strands that don't really matter. And, uh, and a really baggy third act. Pop it and wrap it there. You've still got some seconds. Um, uh, <laughs> get out of time. Yeah. That's what I would fill them with as well. Like you hit, on, you hit on all the key points and also didn't tell any lies there. <laughs> it's a really simple plot that they stretch out for 148 minutes. Yeah. yeah. But I think that we should jump in. And this film starts as so many classic stories begin. <laughs> in an iguana nest in French Polynesia. I think it's, it's contractually obligated that every Godzilla film must start with a montage of nukes now. That seems to be the way. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. yep. It's like the, the film metaphor equivalent of like, um, it's just kind of like on the nose. And it's yes. like if, uh, if It Follows started with uh, a montage of just like chlamydia riddled genitals. <laughs> <laughs> That's a film I want to see. <laughs> That's the less gritty reboot that I didn't know I wanted. <laughs> Not only do we see an iguana nest, we also see it getting nuked or at least experiencing some nuclear fallout. Uh, and I think that it's a quite a compelling moment when you see the iguanas lined up <laughs> stoically awaiting their fate. <laughs> like sentries. <laughs> you know you see that footage from old like, atomic testing when you see them all, they've got their goggles there, they're down in the ditch, and then it blows up and they get a big fucking wind in their face. That's those poor iguanas, <laughs> but they've no good goggles on. <laughs> Yeah, the nest is nuked. Another battle lost in the endless war between humans and iguanas. <laughs> I don't know if like, they were trying to eradicate iguanas. I'm sorry, I had no choice but to interpret it that way. Right, sure. Fair enough. I do want to point out, though, that uh, the last shot when you've got the eggs and that, the music is brilliant. I, I love the score of this film, and it just has that really, like, mysterious quality as they're zooming in on the eggs. Quizzical. Yeah, yeah. It's just nice. It's, a, it's just such like a nice setup. I mean, I agree. I just this is this is gonna be so painful, God. Ah, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> We're all friends here, for now. <laughs> Straight after this, we're back. We're off to the South Pacific Ocean because this film really does start with a whistle stop tour of the globe. <laughs> and uh, you can kind of you can tell if um, for the avoidance of doubt that the guy on uh, on uh, this ship in the South Pacific is Asian because he is apparently because he's depicted as uh, eating food with chopsticks and watching sumo wrestling. Yeah, yeah he's eating ramen. He's <laughs> like trying pretty hard to get that point across. Also, his face. Oh, there's also that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, their vessel's set up on by a giant iguana, and we're pretty much out of here as quick as we get there. Jesus. <laughs> it's time to meet our protagonist, though. 
Nick Tatopoulos. Yeah. Or yeah. Tapadapadopoulos and the multiple other ways. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite pronounced. thing in the whole film is that. Well, all the casual xenophobia towards Greek Americans. There he is. Just chilling out at Chernobyl. I think so. This was actually a first watch and a second watch for me. What? Well, I, uh, uh, uh. Can I just? Uh, I just want to say something quickly. Brief aside. See this? See this hat? <laughs> Somebody somewhere got Kangol money because there's a lot of people wearing those hats backwards, like that Samuel L. Jackson thing that he did for years. This is the first of many backwards Kangol caps. But Nick's three-year research into uh, Chernobyl earthworms is uh, disrupted at this point. There they are. <laughs> oh, by uh, the way, for the benefit of the recording, we do have a screen. Uh, sorry. <laughs> if that was going to be a problem, you should have come. <laughs> I'm just going to ask you this broadly now, Graham. Matthew Broderick here as Nick. What's your feeling on him as a protagonist, performance-wise and as a character? So someone did point out on Twitter this week a story that I hadn't heard of, which did, let's say, mar my opinion of him, which is that he uh, killed... Killed a bunch of people. Yeah, yeah killed two people. <laughs> sure, it's the face of a killer. Like, like yeah. I don't think that we should lull this up too much. Matthew Broderick killed two people. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, did you notice uh, when he's collecting worms, he puts them in a small cage? Not like a Tupperware. Strange. <laughs> it's an odd choice. <laughs> are, are you questioning the worm expert? I, I wouldn't dare. <laughs> but what I will question is, why is he the man for this job? Well, they do point out that he's not. Like, it's in the script that you say, we made a mistake. <laughs> fair, fair. That shuts me up. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, a, like a, a recurring theme all the way through, is just people being like, this guy was a complete fucking misfire. <laughs> Heads will roll. But let's but, about, like, to, like, to answer your question, though, yes, um, yeah. I think he's a good blank slate. Like, in a, no, no, in a film like this, um, obviously, like, the monster's a star, and it's famously difficult to do a Godzilla or giant monster film uh, and have the people involved. So he's like a good sort of like audience surrogate. They do try and do like the kind of like, oh, he's thought of things that we never thought of and um, doesn't always work. But it's like, I think I, I think he's pretty good. Okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. and, about, and his performance. Yeah, fine. I mean, there's, I don't think he's overly bad. I don't think he's overly good. Like I said, a good blank slate. Like sure, it's, sure. he doesn't, his performance doesn't draw attention to itself or anything. <laughs> he's just like a good sort of like. That's what you want in a lead song. Well, I, I think in a film like this, yeah. Yeah, I kind of see what you're saying. I think that like, he's, I don't think he's doing a massive amount wrong or right, really. Mm. Like I think that it's just like, um, I think that this film has probably got its share of stock characters. Yeah, and in a film like this as well, normally the first thing would be like, this fucking performance, what the fuck was that? There's not really any of that going on here. No, no. Right. By the way, this film, written for Matthew Broderick. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so. um, again, just like next stop on the tour of the world, Tahiti, where we meet the sole survivor of the attack, being questioned by, uh, at this point, mysterious uh, Frenchman. <laughs> uh, asking him what he saw. What did you see, old man? There we go. There he is. Yeah, Jean Reno here. Um. Jean Reno, a good actor. <laughs> <laughs> is this the, the coffee based subplot where all he, him and his friends talk about for Not the whole yet. film is coffee? No, yeah, that's coming. That's coming. Jean Reno literally just plays an absolute conglomeration of every arrogant Frenchman in any film ever. <laughs> I feel like out of everyone except maybe the uh, Hank Azaria, Jean Reno knows what film he's in. In a way that everyone else is like played very straight, and he's the only one that actually seems to be having fun. Yeah, famously doesn't like the film though. Hank Azaria, oh, Jean Reno. Yeah, mm. <laughs> I mean we have that in common. 
But yeah, they ask the they ask the, the one survivor what he can see. There he is, and um, uh, all he can say is Gojira, which is you know if you're going to say one word, may as well keep it topical. <laughs> Kill me. <laughs> this is the uh, the usual suspects rip-off scene. The Kaiser Susie. Kaiser Susie. Yeah, yeah. Except this one has this cool lighter thing that he does. <laughs> it's a nice, it's a nice little moment. Rather than you know, if you didn't have the lighter, what would you have? <laughs> I've got Nothing. to be honest. That's still. I mean, I guess you wouldn't be shining an open flame in the face of a traumatized elderly man. <laughs> that still looks far more ominous than it is in the film. <laughs> that's a cool shot. No one's fighting you on that point, Graham. We agree. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> at this point, Nick is kind of a, he's dropped in and he spends this entire film mostly being right and taking shit from people for being right. Like he solidly, like routinely brings in solid intel and everyone's like, aye, all right, earthworm boy. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel from a bit. Fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, Poindexter. <laughs> I think this is maybe the third or fourth location slide we've had so far. Like it's, it really moves fast and then moves very, very slowly. Yeah, by the, by the way, Michael Park, everybody, who dug up 150 screenshots for slides for this. Wow. The amount of time that man spent through this film frame by frame. It's changed them. He was he he was effectively live tweeting our group chat while he was watching it to pick this apart, and it was very interesting to just watch his slow descent into madness. <laughs> um, well, well, we get a good shot here when uh, when Nick arrives. It's time for him. This one, yes. Look at the fucking state of that footprint. <laughs> that's just that's just terrible. I kind of like it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you picked it. Next slide. Is it me that has to defend this Also, one? <laughs> that's the only footprint in the kind of vicinity of this, uh, this part. So it looks as though Godzilla's went. <laughs> it's like, it looks like he was here briefly and then bounded immediately four miles north. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst footprint that you see. There are, like, you see some tracks in a wee while and they look a lot better, but this ah, just looks bad to me. Make it eight. Make it eight. Hmm. Off to New York now, because why the hell not? Um, where we meet hotshot reporter slash assistant Audrey. Audrey Timmons, I want to yeah, say? She's not a reporter. No, she's an assistant. Yeah. yeah. She's an assistant to um, Charles Kamen. <laughs> Our I first uh, Simpsons actor. Yeah, yes, the first three. of three, yeah. yeah. Uh, there he is, uh, trying to have uh, an affair. Wine. Uh, <laughs> contemplating it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> didn't go well. Um, uh, yeah, I remember when, um, when, I first, when I watched this again for, in preparation for this, when um, Maria Patello came on there as Audrey, I was like, ah, oh, I remember her being quite adorable and nice in this. And then very quickly I was like, Oh god, I hate her. Graham, your take, Audrey? Yeah, I, I uh, can't really defend this. Uh, <laughs> I think you I don't understand what you're here to actress. do. I think the performance is fine. I think the the writing uh, they've just made her. Is that sausage in her back? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a uh, cartoon shopping. It always has to have a sure. a baguette sticking out. Sure, sure, sure. 
Um, uh, she won a Razzie for this, and it completely destroyed her film career. Like, this was like her first I, like, I don't, movie role. I don't think it's it. her fault. I think it's the script's fault. I agree. Um, yeah, I, I think that she's very much more than most people are. She's there to nudge the plot along with her. Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you think of the romantic subplot between her and Nick? I, I don't get it. Um, I sure. mean, I've got this written down right at the end, but like, I don't understand why they get back together. It's just, it's like the kind of formula of get them back together because Excitement. they're together. Pure adrenaline. Eh, yeah. But yeah. like, they, they, they like insinuate that it's going to be like a more long lasting thing. And it's like, this time it's going to work out. But why? I could do without this. Also very quick to forgive her uh, for um, betraying him. Yeah. Um, but she's also quite quick to forgive the fact that he's a creepy bastard that has a shrine. <laughs> uh, to her. She's nonplussed when she sees that. Yeah, she's more touched than alarmed when yeah. she sees it. Yeah, it's so... <laughs> you said it, Charles. Like a, yeah, that would be more my reaction if I was there. But yeah, Charles, Charles Kamen, uh, Harry Shearer, doing um, a conglomeration of every one-off Simpsons voice he's ever done. Yeah, somewhere in the middle. Yeah, but I do, but I do quite like him in this. I think that the kind of uh, cartoonishness of him kind of suits it. Well, I think right. he's pretty good. Here's like one of my main defense points for this film okay. is it's a kid's film, right? Like, right. This isn't for us. It's what? for children. And that's why you have characters like this that, you know, topics that kids can relate to, like sexual abuse in the workplace. <laughs> 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 the classic PG-13 topic. Yeah. Borderline. You don't see any of it because, you know, it's for kids. I bet she's had an absolute nightmare working for him. It does seem that way. I don't doubt it. Um, at this point, 20 minutes into an 140-minute film, I gave up trying to keep track of where everyone was in the world. <laughs> They're all coming together. Even, even with the, the title that says The Big Apple. It does. No. <laughs> There's a, there's a side character called Fat Pat, the weatherman. Anyone catch that? Really? No, I didn't. Yeah. Is it, and now we go to Fat Pat with the weather. I think if I was Pat, that would bother me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like... Some of Pat's like, that's him there. <laughs> oh, also, uh, is, this, is this a real ship? I don't think it is. Those effects really stand up quite well for a 22-year-old film. Yeah. I mean, um, that, yeah, fine with that. Um, a lot of the stuff later, when there's any kind of creature in the same shot as a human being, <laughs> terrible. So the next thing that we see is um, a ship off the eastern seaboard getting attacked. Um, and then the news reaches the army and Nick, who are now together. Sure. <laughs> um, and I really like it when that happens. And the army guy, Kevin Dunn's character, is like, um, what makes you think it's related? And it's like, well, if I was a betting man, Captain, it's the massive fucking bite mark in the side of the boat. <laughs> <laughs> there he is. Uh, so. doing, doing pretty good work here, I think, actually. I, I, I think it's one of the stronger kind of supporting performances in there. They yeah. wanted uh, Robert De Niro for that part. <laughs> it's a true story. Uh, uh, couldn't get him. They could probably get him now. Sure, I This is the perfect <laughs> Robert De Niro role. Yeah, I could walk right into it now. We're getting to the point where we're kind of starting to speculate what kind of beast we're dealing with here. And again, once again, like Nick comes in with some solid insights and everyone tells him to fuck off. And he mostly turns out to be right. <laughs> because uh, they they all think that it's like a reanimated dinosaur, and everybody thinks that that's completely credible. But when he's but when he offers, um, well, he says quite a lot of science words. <laughs> Gets a piss out of him quite a bit, despite being transparently right. Like he, like I think he takes quite a lot of abuse. At this point, also Audrey and Lucy and her husband Victor Animal Pilotti, Hank Azaria, <laughs> our second Simpsons actor. Yeah, so second yeah, Simpsons actor. Uh, they head out for dinner and for a general reflection on the fact that. 
Uh, Charles Kamen has tried to put the moves on her. She's disgusted by it. And as true supportive friends do, they tell her that the reason that this has happened to her is that she is spineless to the point of incompetence. <laughs> <laughs> Hank Azaria here. Low-key MVP of the film. I, I am agree. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think, I think this, this may be Hank Azaria's best role. I don't know how, I don't know how much that's saying. Like, I'm not that familiar with his filmography. Must but say I'm not either, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, unless you maybe count The Simpsons, but I mean... But like, okay, okay. <laughs> Big thank you to the Azaliaites in the front. <laughs> <laughs> the Hank heads. The Hank heads, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, roughly after this exchange, basically like, yeah, what we have here is basically you get some, you get some introductions, some rapid-fire introductions. <laughs> Audrey... Well, we've already met Audrey, but Lucy and Lexi Animal, who's obviously going to become a key player as this goes on. Then we get our first look at, uh, our first proper look, really, at Godzilla, which I think is in a scene that is weirdly played for laughs. <laughs> I like this guy. Yeah, me too. I've got to say, someone uh, earlier pointed out, I think it was Panda pointed out earlier that he looks like Hoggle from Labyrinth. But <laughs> 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 he kind of does. It does. I really like this scene. Again, I think this is like this is a very Spielbergian scene. I think like having something less like just a kind of uh, throwaway character, having a, uh, a different perspective than uh, the protagonists. You get to see the scale of things. You've got like the Spielberg shot, you know, the reaction shot that he's mm -hmm. so famous for. I think everything about this scene is just like it reminds me a bit of like say the um, like the stamp scene in the Last Crusade. Oh yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. like some, just a kind of throwaway gag of having this character's like interesting guy. Let's get a different perspective. And uh, a build-up for the tension. You know what? I had some smart alecky stuff written down, and I'm not going to say any of it because oh. I think you're right. Thanks, he Mitch. He, he definitely dies, though. Like, he definitely. Oh yes. Yeah. Obliterated yeah. on that dock. Oh, I mean, like, yeah. oh, I made no mistakes. The fucking goner. Yeah. <laughs> but like, but you're still right. That's that's another interesting thing about this take on Godzilla is uh, people die. Oh, and, uh, loads, loads of them. Yeah. And uh, Toho gave like a bunch of rules of like, you know, okay, you guys, you can use Godzilla, but. Here are the five rules you must abide by, and it was like uh, Godzilla can't kill anyone. Uh, only mustn't be fish. made to look. Uh, yeah, only fish must not be made to look silly. Uh, there's a few others as well. <laughs> yeah, uh, they, they ignored the every yeah, one of those the back spines as well, and they literally yeah. just went, <laughs> "Fuck you!" <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the rights. Yeah, so, um, um, but yeah, like I mean, you see Godzilla stomping people, and I like that. I think. I think that this rampage is quite good, but is he throwing boats at cars? Uh, the amount, uh, like, when he emerges from the water, like, his back spikes are literally covered in boats. And for the first five or six minutes of his rampage, he's just dropping boats on people. Like, <laughs> crazy amount of boats. That makes more sense than my notion that he would just be like... <laughs> um, I don't want to shoot past the fact that um, when they were all telling Audrey that she was horrible at her job, that incredibly <laughs> awkward exchange was interrupted by the first seeds that we got of the uh, fairly uncompelling romantic subplot between Nick and Audrey. You mean when she stands moon-eyed watching Nick on the telly? He's so handsome on the TV. No, she is. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's literally exactly it. She's looking at Matthew Broderick. <laughs> that's the face he of a woman. He killed two people. <laughs> <laughs> she changes the channel. No, she turns she turns the volume up with a function, a, a twisty knob in the front of the TV. And I was 10 at the time, so I can't remember. Were TVs still like that at that point, 98? Did they still have turning knobs in the front? They're being nice. It seems a bit incongruous. Yeah, come on, old people, answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I want to talk about the fact that very fleetingly during this rampage, we meet Mayor Ebert and his assistant, Gene. It's good to see that the mayor of, uh, from Jaws is still getting work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming that everybody else noticed what this was supposed to be. Yeah. It's pretty good. Like, I mean, it's, it's quite convincing. Apparently, this was a response to the fact that Siskel and Ebert didn't like Roland Emmerich's previous films. But I think that like, uh, if you're trying to get notable critics on side, then maybe you shouldn't transparently portray them as bumbling oafs in your film. <laughs> Thumbs up for re-election. <laughs> <laughs> I think they were both disappointed that they didn't get killed in the film as well. Um, yeah, Roger Ebert actually wrote that yeah. uh, in, his, in, like, in his eventual review of the film, which I'm um, uh, going to surprise you here when that's not positive. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking snobs. Two thumbs down. It was one and a half out of four. At that point, it was like, it was, uh, like the Siskel and Ebert thing was no longer a thing. Um, so New York City, or at least specifically Manhattan, is being evacuated at this point for the first time in its storied history. Yeah, a lot of people with umbrellas there. They're not going to do much against a rain of boats. No. Yeah. Fucking hell, the, the rain budget in this film. Oh, unbelievable <laughs> amount of rain. Like, must have been in the hundreds of thousands of dollars just, just for the rain in this film. Mm. Which I love, like, I think it's a great mood setter. Especially when I watched it the weekend and it was chucking it down. It's nice. Mm. Yeah, that. Felt like you were there. Yeah. Yeah. I, f I feel like it's constantly both raining and nighttime in this. It's daytime there, much. Oh, shit. It's not This I would describe as dusk. Saying that never sleeps. Why do the location things give the city's nicknames? <laughs> <laughs> Doug Savant of Desperate Housewives appears here. I don't know. I think he does have a name, but I just had him as Stammering Dog's Body <laughs> in my notes. Um, uh, he announces that the army has lost sight of this very large mutant iguana. It's a perfectly mm. normal thing to happen. Because let's not forget, that's what we're dealing with here. We're not dealing with a millennia-old guardian of Earth. It's a big lizard. I like the fact that, at this point, armed guards burst forth from uh, vehicles with like massive rifles imploring everyone to stay calm with no explanation about what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me calm. The I authorities like, oh, are here. It's like, it's like, oh, they know what they're doing. I guess I'll stay calm. <laughs> <laughs> and then, what, actually, you're right, much because what you get from this point with the arrival of the military is a textbook display of military competence. I do want to point out the only thing that exceeded the rain budget on this film was the helicopter budget. Holy <laughs> shit. Fucking hell, there are so many helicopters in this film. Every scene. I think it's like someone had a, a deal, like, had a helicopter company. And I was like, well, you guys, uh, this scene needs more helicopters. No, more, more. <laughs> Like, no, 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 I don't think you understand. More. <laughs> They're just like bees. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that this is extremely tense and then we take a break from it to just have more stuffy Frenchmen being stuffy Frenchmen. Like, oh. like when, like when uh, they bring them food and he's like, no croissant when he looks at the donut. Yeah, yeah there I, he is. I find that very hard to believe that you couldn't get a croissant in New York. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he didn't try very hard. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I kind of feel like that was just someone trying got to ban it. <laughs> <laughs> Picky, picky bastard. Yeah, exactly that one. No croissant. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was him uh, displeased with the coffee. This is, a this is really the beginning of that. I mean, this is not the most offensive thing about this scene is the fact that they're all speaking English. There's only French people in the room. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. Particularly later on when he's in Madison Square Garden, the stakes are high. There's chaos all around him. He's talking on a walkie-talkie to his French friends. And decides, I'll speak in a language that's not the first language in hope, <laughs> beyond hope, that they understand it. 
we put together a plan to draw out Godzilla with what Nick conservatively estimates as a lot of fish. And at this point, I can understand Kevin Dunn's character. I've forgotten his name. It's Colonel something. Uh, being irate with the fact that they're like, what are we going to do about this giant fucking iguana? And then Matthew Broderick continually chimes with, well, when I was hunting earthworms. I kind of understand everyone's thing. It's like, it's not the same. <laughs> but the same thing, they just they don't understand basic logic. Like, they're, they're waiting for ages. And then he, he starts taking up, he's like, take up the manholes. Why? <laughs> <laughs> The fucking smell, obviously. Like, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, at this point, because they do successfully draw Godzilla out at this point, and I think it's really funny that, like, obviously, eventually, there's like, like there's this kind of like face-to-face -face thing between Nick and Godzilla. But I do think it's funny that right before that happens, he takes a picture of him, and Godzilla momentarily comes over all coy. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 he takes a photo of him, and Godzilla's like. <laughs> Um, I really like that slide because it looked like he was up to something. <laughs> I would wager that he is. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you've got a slide of this, but did you see the, uh, the fish from symbol in the map? Oh, I loved it. Is it? Loved have you it, got like, a slide of it? The military took. He's the not got a slide of it. Okay. The military took the time to create that little fish <laughs> uh, on <laughs> their map to to track. High tech military up. radar, and there's a wee Pac-Man-esque <laughs> fish. Oh. Check out that chin. <laughs> At this point, uh, Nick, Matthew Broderick, tells them not to shoot him. Might have gone a different way, personally. Um, <laughs> the, fing <laughs> the finger wag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Superb. Changes uh, his tune quite quickly when he advocates killing all of them in one fell swoop. <laughs> also, at this point, I think that, like most of God's, the damage that Godzilla has done has been through incidental tail whipping rather than incident, like the, yeah. rather than like intentional premeditated destruction. But it's at this point that. Uh, the uh, American military really make a mess. Like, they engage Godzilla here and just obliterate street after street after street with their swarms of helicopters and cannons and rockets. And there, there goes the Chrysler building before uh, your very eyes. I mean, even um, before that, they, like where the fish ambush was set up, it's in front of the Flatiron building as well. And it's like, why did they choose? I think it's obviously like Roland Emmerich's war on uh, monuments. He's, <laughs> he, he's got his hit list. He's like, right. White House, Flatiron Building, Chrysler Building, what else? Lotus Mandarins. Yep. But yeah, at this point, he Godzilla ducks to avoid a hail of gunfire, and many buildings are destroyed. At this point, I think that the ratio of uh, damage done to New York by the army incompetently chasing Godzilla to damage done by actual Godzilla is about 30 to 1. I, I think at this point as well, when they, when they blow up the Chrysler Building, um, the, the last words before the helicopter pilot fires is, we're locked on. And then the next words he speaks are, we can't get a lock, it's cold-blooded. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second. Hot uh, <laughs> <laughs> done. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, he's colder than the buildings around him. That's right, yeah. I believe that's what they say. Not how cold-bloodedness works, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually think, I actually think that the entire scene where they chase him with Apache helicopters feels like something from a video game tie-in to this film. Also because Godzilla looks like... A PS2 cutscene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not to go all, like, cinema sins, but um, uh, I think we got him cliche. Yeah. First um, of uh, several. Yeah, shortly later is uh, I think I lost him, cliche. <laughs> <laughs> Filed. 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 <laughs> yeah, this is, these are the parts that kind of like feel like kind of flab to me because I, don't, I think that like, obviously, Graham, you chose this because you, like, because you love this film, but I think that we all agree that the runtime is repulsive. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's obscene. It's a bit much. 
Yeah, and I think that it's, it's times like this where I think that like it kind of loses some ground. However, I do love what happens next, which is when Matthew Broderick heads to a pharmacy who is defying the Manhattan-wide evacuation to sell pregnancy tests to earthworm experts f- to try on giant iguanas. The fucking gall of that woman. <laughs> <laughs> it also works. Well, they do point out it's like, you know, it's not exact science, but... Spay- is it nay? but you know it it yields results again are you questioning the the expert I'd like to question Uh, in the next scene when they go to next tent and he finds out that Zella's pregnant Audrey spends a lot of time making coffee in chemistry beakers um, (laughs) despite there being high tech electronics around clearly power a kettle (laughs) Uh, is is this point that they find out that Godzilla's pregnant yep and they, they continue to call him a he so just they assumed his gender. Yeah, it's an ugly generalization. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's also at this point that Audrey does two things, which we talked about earlier on. She finds the shrine to their eight-year deceased relationship and is somehow moved by it rather than incredibly freaked out. <laughs> and then also uh, watches footage that appears to be from this film. <laughs> <laughs> And then steals the tape. Well, it was marked top secret and not, you know, like a code, like you would hide your par in the, you know, documents or backup or something like that. <laughs> I just turned the DVD box the wrong way. I mean, while well, I was thinking, I was like, does anyone actually own physical porn anymore? Do you? No. no okay. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I was making a joke. But now I know where to look. Yeah, I look for the, the DVDs at the wrong way now. He's single-handedly propping up that industry. <laughs> physical media is not dead, guys. Single-handed, eh? Still get it. <laughs> um, so we we kind of hit on the uh, the Audrey trying to kind of like bolster her journalistic career strand a bit here, which I think is one of the less compelling strands. There she is. Mm. Um, so she puts together a bulletin with her stolen footage. At this point, I think that whatever happens to her, she kind of has coming because she's done a fairly unethical thing, regardless of it being at the um, at the kind of like urging of her friends who told her that she was terrible at her job and what she needs to do is get more duplicitous. But if this had gone well, she would never have apologised. This would never have gone any further. She'd have been away living the dream, being quite happy, and Nick would have been a for- she'd have forgotten him again. Yeah, I'm working on a theory that she's just not a particularly likable character. I question her motives from the beginning. No arguments here. Sure. <laughs> Consensus. <laughs> Uh, Nick again brings in solid intel here, and again gets told to fuck off because he is kind of he's pointing out this kind of notion that they're prob- that it's probably nesting. Yeah, I think it's around about him. Then he makes like the tautology of he's listing off things like it's an island, it's got water on all sides. It's like yeah, that's an that's what an island is. <laughs> 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 I think it's around this towns. <laughs> I think it's around this time and I think that like the proportions of Godzilla are quite elastic through this entire thing where like they could be as tall as a building but also small enough to fit in a tunnel yeah. um, it kind of changes with the weather the, the underground stuff makes no sense before we go too far though uh, when Audrey's news broadcast goes I, I want to shout out to the guy who goes gentlemen I think we should see this before the news broadcast has started <laughs> so I, I'm getting it's like, it's I've like, got a feeling hold on Something's coming here. <laughs> it's like, I think we need to talk to this guy. He can see the future. <laughs> but no, I think it's one of my favorite things that happens in the entire film. And it's, it's Doug Savant's character, I think, when they're talking about the fact that he's gone missing. 
And it's like, oh, our um, like our principal theory at this point is that he's hiding in a building in the secured area, as if they're going to go into like the mail room of somewhere and just see a tail sticking out from behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> they say they're going to search every building in New York for Godzilla. You'd probably start with the one with the big hole in the side. <laughs> yeah. At this point, like you say, Graham, the clairvoyant guy in the office draws our attention to the news bulletin, which is um, Cayman has stolen Audrey's report. He's taken the glory. But also, it doesn't look good for Nick, because obviously it looks like he's leaked it to the press. It's <laughs> 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 pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, he very quickly figures out what's happened, but he's off the investigation. With 72 minutes left on the runtime, I was speculating about whether or not he might go rogue. <laughs> Imagine he just, like, when there's a bit when he goes to the airport, he just fucked off and then he wasn't in it again. Psycho esque. <laughs> just, get, just get in the taxi and then just directed by Roland Emmerich. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking wish. <laughs> so much. You have no idea how much I wish that happened. Um, how, how does this happen? He gets into a taxi to leave. Audrey tries to apologize very poorly. She was like, oh, the only reason that I did it was to ruthlessly further my career. And he's like, that's still not okay. And then he gets in the taxi. Is she fucking crazy? What did she think? What did she think was going to happen? Well, I know. Um, but he gets, he gets in a taxi that's driven by Philippe. No. Yes, it's quite a coincidence. But then, like, he's... <laughs> that's, that's, he's that's a way of putting it, Graham, yeah. He's, yeah. A, he's very skilled. I mean, it's Jean Reno. Jean, Reno? Reno. John... I think we're splitting hills. Reno. Jean Reno. I'm going to say Reno. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he can do anything, right? I like how enigmatic he is and kind of mysterious. He kind of just floats around on the breeze. That's kind of how he leaves. I love the fact that at this point, he reveals that he's working for the French Secret Service and everyone is fucking astonished. <laughs> despite, the fact that he, despite the fact that he turns up and uh, they're like, oh, uh, hey man, who are you? And he's like, I'm, uh, yeah, uh, I'm with uh, the insurance company. We're uh, concluding a report. <laughs> and everyone's like, cool, that's fine. When, when that turns out to not be true, everyone's like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> what else have you lied about? <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, Philippe, as it turns out, a French Secret Service operative um, working overtime to suppress two decades of nuclear experiments in French Polynesia. Um, a horse which I feel may have bolted. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's, there's really blame to be apportioned to the French at this point, unless we see that. <laughs> um, which is, in my opinion, quite damning. Um, Wait, isn't um, <laughs> it's isn't, <conclusive>. Polynesia, <laughs> isn't Polynesia full of islands with water on all sides? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? I don't understand the diagram at all. I don't know what it's telling me. <laughs> uh, shouldn't the yeah the arrows should be the other way? They obviously didn't get the fish guy to design this one. Mm. That's an elementary mistake. <laughs> That's, get rid of that. I don't want to see that again. Thank you. Um, uh, Nick defects to the French at this point. <laughs> so I think it's high treason. There is nothing more preposterous than seeing Matthew Broderick walk out in military fatigues. Yeah. He's so, like... He's got these really small footsteps as well when he runs. And uh, he's just... Uh, I, 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 there is no way he gets away with this plot dressed like that. Nope, no arguments here. Yeah. 
it, it doesn't. This is the point in the podcast where I would normally be like, oh, I think we're setting up for the final showdown here. It's like, <laughs> we're actually setting up for the first of three Sweet final summer showdowns. summer child. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you just going to blow past the bit where Jean Reno pretends he's American? Oh, yeah. The Frenchiest Frenchman ever Frenched. Yeah. Doing an Elvis impression. <laughs> like, I am convinced he's dubbed there. I mean, yeah, maybe. Like, you could put, like, a MAGA hat on him and, like, have him racially assault someone and he'd still be French. <laughs> <laughs> um, Are you saying be because he looks French? <laughs> what, yeah, is that do you not xenophobic? Think so? What I would say is that um, I watched this twice on Amazon Prime Video or Amazon Video. Watched it twice in 48 hours. You're welcome. But, like, um, uh, what I did think was actually when I watched it back both times and I watched it on multiple devices, <laughs> the audio doesn't line up with the video, so the whole thing looks dubbed to me. Wow. <laughs> uh, so, um, so I could only speculate on that. But it's, it is a good scene, though. Like, um, and, but, like, yeah, like I say, I kind of figured that we were pulling in towards kind of the end game for this, but uh, that was a foolish notion on my part. Because at this point, uh, we, we cut back to Audrey, who's at home crying because of the consequences of her own duplicity. And, uh, and then it's at this point that Animal basically comes in saying that he has followed Nick in the taxi. So not only does he know that he's now working for the French, but he also knows the exact particulars of their plan. And uh, everyone heads into the city so we can conveniently congregate for what is going to be the beginning of what should be the final act, but is instead the actual final hour of this film. You're going to it's mostly senseless destruction, though, so the, f the second hour won't take as long as the first one. Yeah, you're going, to say, I mean, you're going to say goodbye to Godzilla for quite a long time. Yeah, won't be seeing them for quite some time. In fact, um, I think it was Caitlin on Twitter who identified that uh, Godzilla only gets 11 minutes of screen time in this entire thing. I think that's really well executed because it doesn't come across that way. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, laugh within the key. Yeah. <laughs> Certain members of the audience disagree. I, I, I feel like... For example, the 2014 US Godzilla feels a lot more sparse in terms of Godzilla appearances than this one. I think the, the Godzilla appearances here are utilized a lot better. You know uh -oh. what? I don't know. I'm not going to fight you on that point, actually. Uh, one of my principal criticisms of the 2014 Godzilla was, um, was that exact thing. Yeah. And, uh, and whereas if you'd been like, oh, he was, only on uh, he was only on screen for 11 minutes in that one, I'd been like, yeah, it didn't feel like much. But I felt like you saw way more of him here. I mean, I think the person that's like made this uh, 11 minutes is like they're taking it shot by shot, surely. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, when he walks past the window, it's like there's two seconds and you cut back into the cafe and then there's like more of a scene. So like the Godzilla scenes, if you go that way, they're probably like a good half hour or more. <laughs> <laughs> not sure your maths check out, but <laughs> I was never much good at maths. It um, does check out then. It does. Right. <laughs> um, oh, that's fine then. <laughs> that's funny when that happens. When Godzilla jumps in the river. And then you get some more military uh, ineptitude here Ooh. as uh, submarines proceed to blow each other at smithereens. Well, em Emmerich loves himself uh, a radar scene. Oh, I can't get enough. Like, a, a scene in which you've got the guys looking on a radar and they have little, uh, uh, little graphic depictions. Yep. Like that? There you go. <laughs> uh, and it's like, we lost another one. What? <laughs> it's like Independence Day. There's like one earlier in the film. This, this film has so, so many of that. I also have uh, Richard Gant from uh, Jason Goes to Hell in there <laughs> as um, one of the ill-fated submarine captains. Ah. Yeah. It's none of them. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I did some research this afternoon. So what's, what's that? <laughs> I've got to be honest that 
looks like a scrotum. <laughs> I'm not going to stand here. Me, like, there's no way I'm standing here and telling you that doesn't look like a scrotum. It's a, it's a, it's a it's submarine like, exploding, but I thought it looked like balls, so I left it in. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. It's like when you, you hold them up to the light and you, the, the sun, yeah, yeah. The sun down, comes through. When you, you pull the skin really yeah. tight and you shine a torch through and then you, you push your balls through the skin. I know, I know, I know, I know. I my, know my, dog, my dog's got wee skin patches in her legs that look like yeah. that. And uh, you can oh. see some, uh, uh, some kind of vascular stuff going on. I love there. the fact that one of the two of you brought that up and the other one was like, haha, yeah, totally. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Mitch. Have I just let a very sheltered so life? vanilla. <laughs> Shine a torch through your scrotum once in a while. Uh, <laughs> you need to learn to live. Live a little. Yeah. Jesus Christ. At this point, like, like you say, there is quite a lot of military and navy incompetence, but torpedoes do connect eventually and all seems well. Godzilla seems to sink. Everyone is happy about this fact. Meanwhile, La Resistance have found the nest. Can I, can I yeah. walk back a little bit? Yes, well? you can. Because um, I did research this afternoon and I feel like it'd be squandered. Oh, it was God. a lot of time. No, 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 no. Um, I was looking up uh, depth maps of the Hudson. You see him like dive into the Hudson and then there's submarines there. So I'm assuming it's like right off the coast of Manhattan and like it gets about 50 foot deep from the, sure. the depth maps that I saw. Okay. And I was also like, how tall is a submarine? And um, I found out that submarines aren't tall. They have a draft which is their height. Uh, this is all great for a comedy podcast. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm laughing. But the, the one submarine that I found was uh, 39 feet, Tall. which would give you a leeway of about five foot either side. Right. Uh, Godzilla, hell, right? Godzilla okay. theirself is... Uh, just check my figures here. <laughs> uh, 192 feet tall. Uh, thank you. So that's probably a good, like, 40 or 50 feet there. So how, how you have submarines in a fight with Godzilla and the Hudson, I don't know. So I'm with you guys. I mean, this film's shit. Like, they're <laughs> factually inaccurate. Thank, thank you. <laughs> Let me go and get a drink now. My one, cri my one criticism. <laughs> um, the film has conveniently congregated everybody around the nest. Or, like, all of our main players are kind of congregated around the nest, which is, yes, in Madison Square Garden. Because of why not? Sure. Before we can get this destroyed, eggs start hatching. I think that there is a particularly funny, I think that it's Nick and Philippe when an egg hatches behind them and they turn around and look at it and it's got a proper like cartoon like, whoa, oh, <laughs> feel about it. <laughs> that, I think it's quite funny. Um, uh, yeah, the eggs start hatching and uh, there's quite a lot of, well, this just takes ages. Uh, yeah, yeah, it does go on a bit long, but I think this is a really clever way, again, of, uh, around uh, how you get the human characters in a monster movie involved. Like, Cloverfield does the same thing. We have smaller monsters, so it's more, there's more of a conflict that you can get on board with. Um, okay. So I think this is a good addition. It also clearly like a Jurassic Park ripoff, but oh, at, yeah, sure. at that age, again, kids' film, you're like, I love the fucking Velociraptors. Here's some... <laughs> Nick just hugging an egg there a minute ago. There he goes. Um, but no, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, like uh, it's, it's like obviously like you can't you can't always be grappling with this one massive indomitable beast. Yeah. So doing something that's a little bit more melee does or, give or yeah. kind of ever. I mean, it's, it's so hard to grapple <laughs> with, uh, mm -hmm. with Godzilla as a human. Yeah, Not notoriously. <laughs> One thing that I like when they're trying to get out of here is that Nick makes all of the baby Godzillas fall down by spilling the contents of a gumball machine <laughs> on the floor. It's a kid's film. 
<laughs> yeah, there we are. <laughs> There's so a like a motor in the corner. So, it looks so much of this stuff. Those poor French guys, they're dropping like flies. Well, speaking of the French guys, I think it was around this time that uh, I noticed their names. Oh God! Um, Christ. They're they're all a form of Jean. So you've got uh, Jean Luc, Jean Claude, Jean Pierre, and Jean Philippe. <laughs> <laughs> All led by Jean Renault. Wow. Um, I actually think that like they're they're all incredibly interchangeable, but I think a lot of the supporting characters, English or French or American or French, in this are pretty interchangeable. Thanks for the clarification. Mitch. I mean, they're just red shirts, right? It's not like yeah, yeah absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, they eventually they make it to the broadcast booth. <laughs> oh, yeah. On on this note, popcorn. Uh, an absolutely staggering uh, point of res uh, restraint on the film here that they don't do an elevator music gag. I, I was so impressed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So impressed that they did not resort to that. Yeah. One nil. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> Thanks, Mitch. <laughs> Why the hell not? Um, yeah, they make it to the emergency broadcast station in Madison Square Gardens, and uh, basically they get a broadcast section to the military, explain what's going on. Audrey gets her big story. I could not be less happy for her. By the way, the guy that this message goes to, backwards cap. Nice. He also right. says, there's no Rangers game tonight. It's like, well, yeah, Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was also about this time that I noticed, uh, I love when you notice like an actor's sort of tick. Like a kind of uh -huh. thing that they always do. So like um, Bill Nye always does this sort of kind of thing with his face. Hank Azaria's thing, which we've got a, hopefully got a clip for, uh, is the dramatic pause or the comedy pause where he adds in really weird pauses into a sentence. Yeah, pretty much. You're a nice person, you know? Nice guys, pretty flash. <laughs> <laughs> about to, yes, when you work with them, the day monitor all the news broadcasts. <laughs> <laughs> she'll take us right to the 23rd Street Station in the hat. Can't let Lucy know she'll hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> Watch. <laughs> Turning his heart backwards. He's a cool guy. <laughs> I'm really happy you did that. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was really worth the hour and a half it took to <laughs> put that together. <laughs> um, yeah, they're trying to get away at this point because they did say that they need to destroy the building immediately, which is a very generous thing to say considering they're inside it at the time. Um, but yeah, they're trying to get away. Um, ultimately, uh, Philippe uh, capitalizes on Iguana's famous phobia of gayish chandeliers. Uh, shoots them down. There's a, line, the door. there's a line here as well when he says uh, that they're all, all of them are born pregnant. Yeah, that, I don't know where that comes from. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, again, I don't want to question the worm expert yeah. on the biology of Godzilla, but... <laughs> he <laughs> announces that in a news report, the sole purpose of which is to have Madison Square Garden annihilated. He doesn't know that they're all pregnant. just makes it more palatable. <laughs> Does it like there could be forty thousand uh, by if, the end of next week? If you're really? squeamish about you know nuking the building, don't worry, they're all pregnant as well. <laughs> <laughs> also, <laughs> he also says that they're all locked in there. There's no chance for escape, but there's a fucking big hole in the floor. Yeah. Also doors. But they seem to have a bit of trouble with doors. They're not as wily as the old velociraptors. <laughs> um, but we do successfully nuke Madison Square Gardens. Thank the Lord. 
babies are all killed. Um, at this point, uh, just fine. <laughs> I think I think it's really sad, and it's, it's a weird turn for the film. But I think it's quite sort. It's like an op jam moment or something. <laughs> Not to compare uh, Emmerich's film to the works of uh, Bong Joon Ho, but. <laughs> Like it kind of turns, it turns it on the audience. Like, how dare you enjoy this? It's a bit funny games, you know. Yeah, that's true. Like, I'm sure again that, comparing Emmerich to Haneke. I was like, 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 you have just done. You just compared the bunch who and Michael Haneke in the same breath. So. <laughs> it's not the first time we had. Um, we, had we had someone compare uh, the Garbage Bill Kids to the Nightingale last week. So. Um, so like, <laughs> So my, my reserve for being surprised by these things is quite low. Um, but yeah, um, uh, Senior Godzilla returns, pissed off, kids are dead, fair enough. <laughs> uh, this, is the, this is the first return of the King ending. It's the they, first they, of the many returns of the proper, King ending. Like, pull it, like, crane out of the camera and uh, them just doing small talk. And I think it's quite effective. I know that, like, again, at this point, maybe losing stamina, but as, you know, the way that it's pulled off, I think it's a great return. Yeah, I think it's I mean, bad. Look at that. Look at it. I'll see it. They eventually. Um, uh, By the way, it's really, really sad when Godzilla's like nosing that little dead thing. It's all right. They'll be dead soon. Uh. <laughs> I don't feel great about that either because I actually find the ending of this quite sad. And uh, apparently, so did extras who were there on the day were like, didn't see this going this way. But what were they seeing? D like, like <laughs> <big> <laughs> massive <laughs> tennis ball. <on> <laughs> the world's largest tennis ball, <laughs> like uh, dying. They just think it was going to be like, thank God the citizens of New York can exist harmoniously with this giant iguana. Well, I think they were told you have to uproariously celebrate. <laughs> and oh, they were like, why? Yeah. And they're like, oh, we've killed it. We blew it to smithereens. It's, like, it's, like, like, it's like, yeah. not only have we killed yeah. the giant iguana, we also killed its babies. Laugh it up, yeah. everybody. <laughs> I, I know we are getting ahead of ourselves, but it is a bit like, it looks like they're going to end at like King Kong and be like, you know, like man is a real monster and then the crowd cheers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there was a point where, um, like, in the passage to doing this, a taxi, I believe driven by Philippe, or either Philippe or Nick, uh, ends up in Godzilla's mouth. Um, and, uh, yes, thank you. And, um... <laughs> and, um, uh, basically, they, they shock him with a split cable for long enough. They startle him for long enough. That they can drive the taxi out of his mouth and back they onto shock the bridge. Him. Right. So like my shock him in the gum. I imagine that feels like like biting down on tinfoil if you've got a felon. Oh, it looks uh -huh. fucking agony. Oh, horrible. Heartbreaking. <laughs> uh, so this was on my on my second watch of this, which was on my phone. Uh, sure. Of the multiple devices that I watched this across, including <laughs> a TV, a laptop, a tablet, and my phone. Uh, when this happened for the second time, at this point, I was so desperate for this to be over that I almost threw my phone across the room when this happened. <laughs> and I already knew that it happened. Like, I was prepped for it. And I was still so filled with rage. It kind of makes me happy, actually. I could just see the smile rippling across your face. Wouldn't you be annoyed if I actually hated this film and this was just a big con? You know what? No. No. <laughs> if uh, anything, I'd respect you more. I, I do love this film. I do that too much about once every two months. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he's tangled in the uh, cables of the Brooklyn Bridge for long enough for us to get him finished off. Um, uh, he eventually dies, and uh, yes, the citizens of New York celebrate this uh, large-scale loss of life. And at this point, we get what I wrote down as being the congratulations and fuck you montage, where um, the people that need to get together get together, the people who need to tell people to go fuck themselves, tell them to go fuck themselves, including uh, Jean, who tells Mayor Ebert, thumbs down, 
Yeah. Whoa. She's very horny, her with her right here, the whole way through the film. Uh, actually, yeah, like, I mean, she, like, I actually didn't touch on this at the time, but she's Nick's boss. And that's her reaction the first time she meets him. <laughs> like, she's woefully underused in this film. Oh, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Just like yeah. a fun character and just, yeah, two scenes or something. I quite like, I know, again, kids' film, but, um, like there's no nuance, but I think the way they wrap up all the stories is quite efficient and um, it's, it's very neat. Yeah, it's really neat, and uh, again, that's what you want from a kids' film. You don't want them to be like, I "Wonder what happened to that character?" <laughs> you laugh, I suppose laughing you, you, son of a bitch. <laughs> you, don't, you know, you don't want the thirteen-year-olds being like, "Did that guy die in the bridge, mum?" On the way home from the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, no he, I'm sure he was he fine. He stood up for himself and realized his self-worth. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was mostly fine. Um, also, Philippe steals a tape at this point, promises to erase certain points, return them, uh, and that's fine. Speaking of downer endings, I mean, like, all of his friends are dead. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't dwell on that for a sec. I don't know. It looks, looks, like looks dwelling quite lonely. There. It looks quite contemplative there. Yeah. He's just walking away from the camera. Pretty much all that's left here after everything has, as we said, is, like, tied in fairly neat bows is um, our one shot of the sole remaining hatchling... That, um, I, I don't know if there, there was originally plans to do sequels to this, so the sequels never came to light. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably a good thing. Yep. Uh, but what they did do is a cartoon, and in that cartoon, I don't know if anyone's seen it, one thing they do is they bring back Godzilla's atomic breath, although it looks like that, the big thing. But uh, in the cartoon, in episode one, Nyctotopolis stumbles across the last remaining egg and the little Godzilla imprints on him, so they're like best pals, which uh, I find quite charming. The cartoon's got a higher IMDb score than the film does. <laughs> <laughs> Quite believe that. Yeah. Speaking of the atomic breath as well, is like they did sort of do it in this film. Well, I they gave it a sort of real world. I looked twist. into it, and apparently his breath is flammable. Mm. Um, and any time it breathes near a source of ignition, it has the illusion of blowing fire. Also, woefully underused. I think. Yeah, yeah. No. I think so. But then, like one of my one of my big things in like how to take this film is. If you don't think of it as a Godzilla film, I think that is one of the better ways to enjoy it. Kind of difficult when it's called Godzilla. I understand that. <laughs> but I think, like, really, like, people get annoyed because it's a bad adaptation. Yes, it's a bad a- adaptation. I think it's a good popcorn film. And if you try and think of it, I think my, my partner told me that um, they, some people think of it more as, like, a cre- creature from um, 20,000 fathoms? Leagues? Um, <laughs> Okay, well, uh, another monster movie. If you think of it as a remake from that, then... <laughs> um, yeah, I think, sure, compelling. I, I think that is one of the main issues. People hate the way that Godzilla was interpreted. I, I don't know if it's an interpretation that certainly I have the problem with. It just feels disrespectful to the people who said, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's the faces of everyone that worked at Toho at the time. But, um, <laughs> I mean, they were good enough to give their biggest property with some caveats and some rules and they just went <laughs> you're way over there like you're way in, in Japan like what are you going to do uh, and they just did their own thing um, and I, I just I don't know it's disappointing, <laughs> disappointing. and that's uh, that's Dean Devlin the producer's face uh, <laughs> <laughs> who was would you like would you just go on to message boards when people were slamming this he'd just go on and go well, fuck you I don't care what you say I already uh, have your money and then he eventually did come back and say I was, I was a bit of a dick to people uh, and I fucked up uh, so I mean, I, that's I, nice I, is this him being I, reticent <laughs> no. 
I can't, I can't disagree with any of that. It's, I feel that's indefensible what they have done. But taking the film, I know it's hard to take a film out of context, but just as a film, as shown, without all of that, I think it does stand up. You said good popcorn film, you're going to need a fucking lot of popcorn. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, Graham, this was a really good pick for this. I mean, I'm not going to kid you on that I enjoyed it, but it's a great shout for this purpose. And that's a great slide. That's a great slide as well. <laughs> right. Uh, anybody got any questions? Now, before you do, uh, we have got, courtesy of Arrow Video once again, the Arrow Video mystery bag. Um, if anybody asks a question, then you do get a rumble in there. So things get, big, get things small. So, uh, anybody got any questions? We've got some time. We've got time for a couple. Uh, Patty, you know you stated earlier that Matthew Broderick almost or killed two people in Ireland. Hashtag never forget. <laughs> At the start of the movie, Matthew Broderick almost crashes into a car. Do you think this was intentional? Jesus, no. <laughs> I don't know, Paddy, if you should be dipping in here. <laughs> Fucking Paddy. No comment. <laughs> Anybody else? I think the defense has been that it's a kid's movie. Would you guys agree with that? Dan, more to the point, would you agree with that? No. <laughs> Thanks very much. Andy, what's your take on that? I'm going to echo Dan and say, not particularly. Um, I think there's too much office sexual politics. Uh, anybody else? Uh, there's been so many really terrible Godzilla films uh, over huh? the past two and a half decades. Do you think that somebody's going to come along and make a really good one? <laughs> Graham? Shin Godzilla was good. Yes. Shin yeah. Godzilla was good. Yeah. I, I like Shin Godzilla. Yeah. Oh, do you mean American? Like an American remake or, or just any Godzilla film? I mean, a story with the Godzilla kind of theme and the, and the whole landscape of all the history that is actually pretty decent rather than just a kind of mismatch or, or a kind of higgledy-piggledy mess of everything like a lot of the previous Godzilla films have been. Well, I think like, if that's what you're looking for, I think Shin Godzilla went there. I think Shin Godzilla is about as close as there's been. Yeah, not so much like the legacy of it, but I, I thought King of Monsters was quite a good popcorn film. I sure. quite enjoyed that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. More? Anybody? When such a huge plot point of the film is like the fact that Godzilla has babies and everything, why do you think that they would contrive some mad plot about them already being born pregnant rather than just make Godzilla a girl? Like, I don't know. Do you not think like a, <laughs> do you not think rather than being like, how did he get pregnant? And they'd be like, there's a daddy Godzilla. We're doing a much better like thing than being like, oh, here's a like an egg at the. I don't know. It just annoyed me. I I thought. It was a girl until I rewatched it, and then I was devastated that one of my feminist icons is actually oh. <laughs> just a pregnant dude. <laughs> that's that's fucking heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I said earlier, I think it's weird that as soon as he find out, that's my phone. Rude, rude. <laughs> I, I do think it's weird that is once they find out that he's pregnant, they say he's pregnant as opposed to it's a she. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they do. They allude to the asexualness of it, but this is like 22 years ago. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I guess so. But yeah. it does feel like a willful sidestep or something that would have made more sense to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the, here's one for Mitch. Um, <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> fucking hell. Okay. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, no, you, you mentioned several times that you watched the film twice. Exactly what subtlety and nuance did it have that you felt required a second viewing? <laughs> Uh, Andrew, I'm a detail-oriented man. Uh, 
I, if I have the opportunity to, especially for live shows, I try and watch everything a minimum of two times. It wasn't because I thought there was anything that I didn't catch first time round that I would need a second, uh, that I would need a second look at. I was just like, I was just, I was trying to be thought out. That's as good an answer as I can give. You don't look convinced. I, I'm really impressed that you didn't have to look at any notes for this entire thing. Have you been looking at me? I've been looking at notes this entire time. I've been looking at notes all the time. I've been too busy looking at mine. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Eight pages away five. I was like. On two watches. You know what? I could have gotten away with that. I should Amazing. have kept my fucking mouth shut. <laughs> uh, we have a question at the back there. Um, yeah, Graham, if you had to make a shot-for-shot shot remake, you were forced to make a shot-for-shot shot remake of this film, who would you cast in some of the leading roles? Who? Oh, I'm, I'm horrible on the spot for things like that. Uh, we're talking a Psycho-esque remake here. Uh, or a honey, uh, Funny Games that Michael Hanukkah. Off the top of my head... Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a good Roderick. Yeah, happy with that. He screams worm guy. Uh, Robert De Niro, obviously, is uh, <laughs> the general guy. Aye, but who plays the fucking dinosaur, mate? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I 100% would get Patrick Totopoulos back on to design the creature. Easily. Agreed. Like, when you look at some of the concept art, I think, like, again... Take it completely away from what you know of Godzilla. It's a great design. Like it's just, it, it, they they made something that could be considered iconic. I know it's been fucking lambasted for twenty two years, but try and distance yourself from the legacy of Godzilla and just look completely blankly at this design. And it's a it's a cool fucking design. No bad. No bad. By the way, no far bad. and away, Sweden's favourite Godzilla design apparently. Hmm. If you, um, if you look at the, I think it was Stan Winston. Weird bit of trivia, but <laughs> in Sweden, they responded better to this Godzilla than any of the original Godzillas. They're famed good. for their love of Godzilla. Um, um, but yeah, uh, Stan Winston did an original concept design, and he basically just drew Godzilla. And it's like, okay, so did you just need like a new garage or something? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Um, is there anybody else? Anybody else? Uh, yep, Andy right, Andy, right up the back. Taking it as, like, not a Godzilla film, would you consider Reign of Fire as the superior sequel? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Interesting. I'm, I'm, like, I'm not touching that with a fucking 40-foot <laughs> <laughs> Over here. Because you've not fucking seen it. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. Um. If in uh, doubt, assume it's because I haven't seen it. Graham? Uh, I think uh, uh, if I ever come back in the podcast, uh, <laughs> rain of fire, guys. <laughs> You're coming yes, back. <laughs> Last question, Mitch. Uh, and, uh, anybody? Yep, yep, okay. Uh, Graham, you said that um, you see a lot of Spielbergian connections here, which is, even for me to just repeat, is painful. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm probably reading into this far too much, but do you think that the constant Godzilla being pregnant, but constantly being called a he, and then Godzilla or Godzilla's being born pregnant is Roland Emmerich's like bastardization of nature finds a way from Jurassic Park? <laughs> <laughs> nature I, found a way. I 100% agree with that. Yeah, I, I mean, slightly facetious when I say Spielbergian. I think he's aping Spielberg. I'm not necessarily saying he's anywhere reached that. But I think the whole style, the way you look at it, is quite like a... Uh, like, formally, it's quite straightforward in a way that Spielberg goes. It's like, it's all wides. It's like a lot of long takes. Again, like, a lot of reaction shots. It dwells on the wonder. There's, like, the restricting your view of the monster, which obviously Jaws was, like, 
the forefather of. So I think there's a lot of touches. I'm not saying this is like anywhere near <laughs> a Spielberg film, but I think that's, I feel like Emmerich's style, I think he is inspired by Spielberg. <laughs> how he, how successful he is in that. It's the Spielberg face. That's the Spielberg face. Textbook. <laughs> okay. No yeah. bad. You're fucking with me. Um, thank you all. For, thank you all for your questions. That was great. Graham, let's talk death of a vlogger. So obviously we're a few hours short of a Scottish premiere. JFT. Mm -hmm. Yep, mm -hmm. closing yeah, in. Yeah. Uh, I saw this film at Fright Fest. I know Andy's seen it as well. Um, uh, I think that it's absolutely brilliant. Do you want to talk about it a little bit? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, everybody. Uh, no, um, uh, yeah, you want to talk a little bit like about how it came to be, the kind of the idea, how you put it together? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> I um, I tried to get a, a low-budget feature off the ground. Uh, it was going to be my third feature, and it was a horribly nightmarish experience. It all fell apart. Um, probably the worst experience of my life because I'm very privileged. This is my this is my last feature. It was <laughs> God awful. Um, and uh, yeah, it really put me off for a while. I realized I think my uh, reach was exceeded by my grasp, or vice versa, grasp? Yeah, exceeded, yeah. yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. That one. Um, and I was trying to make like a half a million pound film on a 10 grand budget. So that's basically why it failed. So I spent a year away from making any sorts of films and uh, then had this idea. I'd been making like a lot of vlogs and stuff like that. I was really interested in like kind of vlogging culture and just how fucking toxic the internet can be. Um, and experiencing that firsthand, and then just kind of realized that um, that would be a very, uh, essentially like a cheap and kind of easy film to make where I could just make it on evenings and weekends, I could shoot it in my flat, I could star in it because I'd just be playing myself. I've done a lot of vlogs before, so it's not straining my acting capabilities, and it could be a kind of relaxed filmmaking experience, and I could abandon it at any time as well um, because I wouldn't be asking a lot of anyone's time, so there wouldn't be too much like at stake. Mm -hmm. um, and the more I made of it, the more I thought it was actually shaping up well and just uh, ended up finishing it. And mm -hmm. here. Start to finish, how long did you shoot for? Probably about six months, oh. something like that, yeah. Seriously? Yeah, oh. yeah, evenings and weekends. I mean, I like if, if, if you guys don't have a ticket for this, it's on 11 o'clock tonight, GFT, get along. Yeah, it's you've so got to go. It's, it is brilliant, and I've known you for a while now, so I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass when I tell you that. Like, I haven't, so I might be. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of them tells the truth, yeah. the other only lies. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, you must go and see it. It's, it's brilliant, and yeah. Thanks, guys. It's, yeah, it's really yeah, nice. Go on there, go on uh, so, Godzilla, done. Hated it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, same. Yeah, uh, Graham, thanks so much for doing this with us. Uh, thanks, Graham for Hughes. Guys. Thank you. Cheers, everybody. So, I hope you've brought your A game because time is tight and we're not done yet, my friend. I know we're not. Ready? Uh, yeah. Does it, does everyone know what's coming? There you go. Does anyone not know what Mitch's Pictures is? <laughs> Mitch's Pictures, fuck's sake. Mitch's Pictures is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will have photoshopped out the title and the tagline and any other identifying text. He'll leave only the image. My job will be to describe it to the best of my ability and, where possible, give it both a title and a synopsis. 
Don't clap yet. It might be shit. <laughs> right. Um, uh, so, okay, are we doing this? Right. Yeah, I would ask you not to look at the screen, Mitch, because it will be coming up momentarily, and I will send you it now. Of course. <laughs> right, it's on its way. Yeah, it's here. Thank you for that. Right, okay. So, um... Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, right, there... Okay, so there's no border on the image, crucially. Um, background is white. I'm assuming the bottom half is where you've removed the text. Yeah. Um, okay, so what we have in the background... So the background's kind of like... It's kind of like a multicolored kind of like uh, mystical swirls, I'm going to say. That, I know that's vague, but sure. time's tight. This entire, like, uh, ugly scene is being overseen by a holican green demon... <laughs> who looks fiercely pissed off at somebody. Um, what we have here after that is a kind of patchwork of presumably supporting characters, including a blue man in a headband, wielding a samurai sword, looking downwards and, and uh, raging. We have four scantily clad women in a bamboo cage being looked upon by two hooded people. Um, there's an explosion off to the left. Um, we have a voluptuous woman in a blue tube top holding a firearm. Um, also, um, a machine gun brandishing guy in a red shirt and uh, grey, like, kind of... I don't want to say slacks, but I don't know. We have a, we have a, we have a shirtless white man doing uh, a karate pose in the middle of wearing kind of purple trousers. And uh, in the bottom right, we have, uh, yeah, like, another fairly nondescript guy with a firearm and um, a guy in a sailor's hat with an unbuttoned shirt uh, wearing a matching lilac suit... Um, but opened with a bare chest, exposed. Um, and in the background, I think I, I, can, I believe I can also see some headstones. I'll just quickly mention you've missed the exploding ship <laughs> and the man looking at a box of emeralds. I'm not going to lie; I'm not uh, going to include every last thing in this. Yeah. But yeah, that's 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 about. Uh, I think you've hit all the key points. It's there. about as good as it gets. I think. Um, I think. Yeah. Feeling confident? No. Mind running over time? Uh, yep. Would you like a minute? Yes, please. <laughs> Mitch wrote this song because he felt it was the tune that best illustrated his thinking process. <laughs> and that's true. Again? Yes, please. a lot. Do you have a pitch? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm just going to say that I've written something that I'm probably not going to be able to say. Okay. This might take a couple of attempts, right? While taking their dense brand of 80s-tinged anthems on a tour across Asia, an American electronic band unwittingly stumble across the lair of a mighty demon who's enslaved a vast number of continental visitors over the years, including a girl band who mysteriously disappeared years prior, exhibitionist sailor Rusty Barnacle, and master, and master sensei and cultural appropriator Chuck Bodyslam. Real, 
Realizing that the demon is hoarding America's finest touring exports from across a variety of fields, it's up to the colorful quartet to take on the demon and free the hostages in Kung Fu Blue Man Group 2. <laughs> Restitution for the reconstituted troop of K's babes, shirtless senseis, and sexy semen. You may look at the screen now, Mitch. You'll be unsurprised to hear that you were wrong. What? <laughs> yes, the film is in fact Raw Force. Raw Force. If you okay. can't tell, it's nourishment, human flesh. It's Guardian, the Undead, it's Sanctuary, the Island. Cameron Mitch. Mitchell. <laughs> and uh, Cameron Mitchell's the only person of note that's in it. Would you like the synopsis? I would love the synopsis. You know who else would love the synopsis? Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> a group of martial arts. <clears throat> a group of martial arts students are en route to an island that supposedly is home to the ghosts of martial artists who have lost their honour. A Hitler lookalike and his gang are running a female slavery ring uh, on the island as well. Soon the two groups meet and all sorts of crazy things happen, which include cannibal monks, piranhas, zombies, and more. <laughs> Raw Force. Raw Force. Mitch's pitches. Mitch Payne. Yeah. Guys, you've been amazing. Can we have one more hand for Graham Hughes, please? And also for Panda on Foji tonight. Yes. And also Michael Park and Michael AD. Park over there with the slides. Guys, thank you so much. Have an amazing Fright Fest. And don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chance. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 